We come to the end of our Easter series today. So I'd like to read from Acts chapter 1, the first 11 verses, and Acts chapter 2, the first four verses. Let's just pray. Father, we do thank you for your written word. We thank you for the way that you've um, protected it over so many decades and hundreds of years. We thank you for the truth that is written in it. We thank you for the truth that resonates with us, which springs to life within us. We thank you that it draws us to you and draws us into your love, into your peace, and into your joy. Amen. So this is Luke, perhaps the only doctor in history that anyone's actually been able to read. <laughs> in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them, that's the apostles, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered round him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So after Jesus' resurrection, he was around for 40 days and he gave many convincing proofs to the disciples that he was alive. And the reality is, and what we've seen through the Easter story, is they needed many convincing proofs that he was alive. Because they were full of confusion, they were full of doubt, they were full of uncertainty, they were full of lack of sort of understanding. They didn't, didn't understand what was going on. 
And we've read over the last three or four weeks a number of times where you know, Thomas doubted, I'm not going to believe Jesus is alive until I put my finger in the scars in his hand and his side. Jesus came to the disciples um, on that first day of his re resurrection and rebuked them. He said, look, I told you I was going to rise from the dead. I'm standing in front of you and you still stubbornly will not believe that I'm alive. These were the, the men and later the women that were going to change the world. So Jesus came for 40 days proving to them that he really was alive. And what did he do in those 40 days? Well, he taught them. He taught them about the kingdom of God. For those of you that were here, you remember the king riding in on the donkey as he came round here and back up there. And how loads of people from Jerusalem came out and threw palm branches, waved them their clothes on. Our king has come, our king has come. And they were expecting a triumphant king that was going to break the rule of the Romans and re-establish the kingdom of Israel again. And Jesus came to the disciples and for 40 days said, no, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom, of, the kingdom is the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom of love, joy, and peace, of righteousness. It's a kingdom of power. It's a kingdom that will reach all nations. It's a kingdom made up of people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. It's not a kingdom that is going to be based geographically in a land. It's a kingdom that's going to be based on relationship and spread throughout the whole world. It's a kingdom which will demonstrate the power of God. In typical, if we can say this, Jesus style, he answered some of their questions and didn't answer others of them. So for 40 days, Jesus had been teaching about this new kingdom. And then just before he goes... He's, they say this to him. So, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel then? <laughs> Forty days of explaining this new kingdom of God and their question on the last day is, that's great, but are you going to restore, the, restore Israel now? Doesn't it resonate with your understanding sometimes of when you read the Bible? It's like, what does that mean? Does it mean this? And you ponder it, you pray about it, and God says, no, it means this. And you go, oh yeah, I see it now. And Jesus, in answer to their question, says to them, well, it's not for you to know the times and dates. And he doesn't answer the question. And you wonder how many other questions they asked that he didn't answer. He ate with them. And when we've read some of the stories of the resurrection appearances, it's like no one asked him if he was Jesus because they knew he was Jesus, but, and then he ate with them. And you're eating with Jesus.
Then he told them, time and time again, to wait for the promise of the Father. You can read about it particularly in John chapters 14 and 16. But in Acts 1 he says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. He told them, there's something that is different that is coming. It's the promise of the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. He's going to come and he's going he's to immerse you in himself. He will teach you. He will empower you. He will comfort you. He will guide you. He will counsel you. He will remind you of the very things I've said to you. All these things, he will come. But you need to wait for him. And then he commissioned them and said, you will be my witnesses. You will go into the whole world. This group of people who was full of con confusion, full of doubt, lacking understanding, Jesus said to them, I'm entrusting you. You are going to go with this message. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will have power to do it. And then he ascends into heaven. And you know everyone has favourite verses. This is some of mine. I just love it. After this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And these are my some of my favourite. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? I just love it. How much angels know about us. They turn up and there's 12 blokes with their gobs open and they say, why are you looking? Why are you looking? It's like... We're looking because a man has just floated up into the sky. This is not our normal experience. It's like angels. Why not? How do you think we travel around? This is normal for us. And something of the supernatural life will become normal for you. And that's sort of what the angels were saying. Look, don't look at this. Yeah, that's, that's normal, people floating up into the sky. I mean, if that balloon up there, hanging on the ceiling, which you can see behind you, right at the back of the hall, was a person, not many of you will be looking at me now. <laughs> but for an angel, it's like, well, yeah, we always knew Jesus was going to go like this, but we know he's going to come like it as well. And he's going to bring a new kingdom a new heaven and a new earth. And every eye will see him as he descends. You 12, you've watched him ascend. The whole earth will see him descend in all his power and all his glory. But what does the ascension teach us? Firstly, it teaches that Jesus' resurrection was now complete and forever. As we talked about before, the disciples had seen a few resurrections. They'd seen Lazarus. I mean, there's that, that weird bit in Matthew where when Jesus is crucified and died, there's an earthquake and lots of the old saints 
some who have been dead for donkey's years, suddenly get up out of their graves and walk into Jerusalem. It's, it's the sort of verses that you miss very often, or it's those verses that you think they're in the Bible, but you're not certain. I don't know whether you have those, but there are some things that I think, was that in the Bible or have I just made that up? So they'd seen resurrections before. But this one, he was never going to die again. Lazarus died. No one knows what happened to the old saints. Enoch is the only one in the Bible who for some reason was translated into heaven. Every other human has a clear death. This one, this resurrection was forever. Jesus is now alive. And that's one of the things that the ascension teaches us. The resurrection showed defeat over death. The ascension shows that that defeat was permanent. Hallelujah. <clears throat> it's the beginning of the exaltation of Jesus. Let's read a few very familiar verses from Philippians. Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, because of all of that, God has exalted him to the highest place and give, gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The ascension was the beginning of when Jesus was exalted. He came in humility and as a man. He served us. He obeyed God, he died, he rose again. But when he ascended into heaven, God just said, yes, now you have a name that is above every other name. Now there is no place higher than I can put you. You, Jesus, are exalted. It's also the beginning of Jesus' high priestly work. In uh, the book of Hebrews, <clears throat> it takes the Old Testament priesthood, the Old Testament sacrifices, the Old Testament and all its rules and regulations, and the book of Hebrews wraps them all up in Jesus and says this, Jesus fulfilled them he was the perfect sacrifice. He is the great high priest. He lived a perfect sinless life before God. Every rule and regulation of the Old Testament he fulfilled and brought it to completion. And as a sacrifice, the old sacrifices had to go on and on and on and on. 
the blood of bulls and goats, it just didn't wash. It didn't clean on the inside. But Jesus' sacrifice cleanses on the inside. It deals with sin. It deals with shame. It deals with guilt. His sacrifice was the perfect one. And he is now the great high priest, the mediator between God and us. We come through Jesus to God. He has clothed us so that we can come before the God of heaven and say, Father. And the Father embraces us and loves us. He's the one who, when he's talking to me about this week, and I say, God, this has been quite a tough week. It's been quite a lot of hours. He says, well done. And can I talk to you about your procrastination? Because this week, Dave, you have excelled at procrastination. And just when I think I'm going to get a star, he says, and that's not good? Let's deal with it a bit more. And you don't feel condemned. You don't feel broken. You feel, hey, by the Spirit of God, I can do this. I can get better at it. I can be better at doing less procrastination. Here's the God who's walked the earth. He knows what it is to lose a friend. He wept at Lazarus's tomb. He knows what it is to be frustrated with the disciples. How long have I got to be with you? Is one of the things Jesus says about his 12. And has probably said it a few times about me. He knows what it is to be hungry. He knows what it is to be thirsty. He knows what it is to have a mum. He knows what it is to, to know our pain and our suffering. And so he is able to have sympathy with us. He is able to empathize with us. He is the perfect priest. And finally, in terms of his mediation between God and man, when you got up this morning and you thought, I'm going to pray because it's Sunday and I'm going to church and I want to make sure that I prayed. Jesus has already been praying for you. He was already praying for me because it says in Hebrews, he ever lives to intercede for us, for you and me. He can't do an extra two minutes a day because he's already doing it. He's the perfect sacrifice. He's able to empathize with us. He's the perfect priest and he intercedes for our, on our behalf. And finally, his ascension says the divine mission is over. It is done. I'm now going back to the Father because the work on earth is complete. It is done.
Seven days later, the disciples are still sifting this all through. And they're all together in an upper room in Jerusalem. And perhaps they're mulling over the words of Jesus. Wait. You just wonder, sort of, you know, into five days. We've waited. We feel a little bit emotional. Is this what God's talking about? We're waiting. How long have we got to wait? And then on the seventh day, they're all together praying and waiting. And the Holy Spirit comes on them. And tongues of fire fall on them. And they all speak in different languages. And as during the service this morning, some of us speaking in tongues, that, that language we didn't know, and others wondered what it was. That was the language of heaven. On the day of Pentecost, it came down. And Jesus says this, My work is done. I'm in heaven. I'm exalted. God has given me a name above every name. Now I have anointed you as the people of God to go into all the world to tell them the work that I have done and to bring it into people's lives so that they can know the peace and the forgiveness and the lifting of guilt and the lifting of shame from them and they can know this great gift of the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. My work is done, I'm in heaven, now you are on earth, equipped by the Holy Spirit to go into all the world. That's where we are, that's where we're going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.